Welcome to the James River Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor John Lindell. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. We're in a series on the book of Acts that we've entitled Power Today. And the title of the message is Jesus Christ Heals You. Isn't that great? I don't have to heal anybody. You don't have to heal anybody. We can't heal anybody, right? We can't heal anybody any more than we can save anybody. I can save anybody. You can't save anybody. But we know the one who can. Jesus Christ saves people. Jesus Christ heals people. If you've been with us, you know we're in a unique season in the life of the church. And I just really pray that if you're a part of James River, you're not getting tired of it. You're not getting bored with it. You're not deciding, oh, we've seen it all, heard it all, because we're just starting to see and we're just starting to hear. But we're watching God move in an extraordinary way. 30 years, I've never seen anything like it. Record numbers of people getting saved. I mean, at camp, what's happening at camp, those kids, Pastor Clint was telling us today in this last camp, that an hour longer than normal and the kids are in the altar seeking God and having encounters with God that's changing their life. We're seeing people saved and baptized at record numbers, seeing record numbers of, of people being filled with the Spirit, people being healed. In fact, I think it's safe to say that we've, got, we've had at least 350 written testimonies. That's just the ones who have written it down and said, God, heal me. And we didn't start asking people to do that right away. So there's a whole lot of people that have experienced a whole lot of power. And we've seen a lot of really unique things happen and powerful things happen. We've had people who didn't have an ACL and they've got the x-ray and then they go back and they have an ACL. The doctor actually says, you have a brand new ACL. I mean, that's really amazing. We've had people who've had torn meniscus. I was, we, we had the opportunity to have lunch with a, a an orthopedic surgeon last week, and he was telling us about his receiving a, a new meniscus. I mean, he would know what that is, but he had injured his leg and was prayed for and received that. People have had rotator cuffs that have been healed. People with drop foot have been healed. Numerous people have had their hearing restored. It's really, the stories are so amazing, so incredible. I mean, Rachel Ann, who's leading over at West today, her hearing restored, has had hearing aids since she was a little girl, doesn't wear them at all anymore. I mean, it's amazing to watch that. Cancers, we've had numerous people who've had thyroid tumors gone. We've had brain tumors gone. We've had people who have been at MD Anderson, healed, cancer, gone, facing surgery. We've had people with lymphomas, gone. I mean, it's really amazing to watch it. People with blood disorders healed in the name of Jesus. Wednesday night, a word for people with post-COVID uh, problems, complications, taste and, and sense of smell, totally restored. People enjoying a chocolate chip cookie or some ice cream on Wednesday night. How about that? That's so awesome. One, one boy with cerebral palsy healed. Yeah. 
a little girl with cystic fibrosis healed. I mean, that's amazing. And I believe it's only the beginning. But what we have to do is we have to lean in. We've seen enough if you've been here to lose the skepticism. We've seen enough if you've been here to believe God is doing big things and he is going to continue to do that as we lean in, as we look to him, as we seek him, as we step out in faith. So as we come to Acts chapter 9, we're not just looking at the historical record of the early church. We're looking at a picture of what it's like when people are empowered by the Holy Spirit and he's leading them and he's guiding them and he's working through them. And one of the things that happens in that moment is people are filled with the Spirit, people are empowered to do what they couldn't do on their own, and people are healed. As we look at Acts chapter 9 and verses 32 through 35, very short passage, so You'd think it would be a short sermon, and it should be, but I, I make no promises. No, we're going to have time to pray, but we're going to learn a few things about healing as we look at this. We're going to just divide it up along three lines. First of all, the person, the person, Acts chapter 9, verse 32, as Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the saints in Lydda. So now Luke, who is the author of the Gospel of Luke, also the author of the book of Acts. It's kind of a two-volume set. The Gospel of Luke obviously talks about the ministry of Jesus. The book of Acts talks about the ministry of the apostles subsequent to Jesus' ascension. Now Luke shifts from Paul, whose life, conversion, and ministry has consumed the first part of the chapter, verse 32. Now we're back to Peter. As Peter traveled about the country... He went to visit the saints in Lydda. Now, when we're talking about saints, the word there, hagios, means, means the ones who are set apart. Every single follower of the Lord Jesus Christ is a saint. You say, I don't feel like a saint. If you're a follower of Christ, if you've been born again, you are a saint. God has set you apart. He has moved you from facing his judgment to, to knowing his blessing. And so you're set apart. It's not based on on what you've done or what you do, it's based on what he did for you and for me. So he goes there and he goes to a town by the name of Lydda. And as he goes to Lydda, and we're going to show you a little map so you get an idea, because this is going to give you an idea. This is what happens to Peter in Acts 10 takes place up here. What happens in verses 36 and following in chapter 9 takes place there. Lydda's right here, Jerusalem's here, so he goes on a major route up to the town of Lydda, and you're going you're gonna to find at the end of the story, it says, and people all over Lydda and Sharon came to know the Lord. When we're talking about Sharon, we're talking about a coastal plain, so Sharon is a region, like southwest Missouri is a region. So when it says everybody in Lydda and Sharon, it's saying everybody here and all along the coast is impacted by this miracle, by what the Lord did. Verse 33 of Acts chapter 9, there he, that's Peter, found a man named Aeneas, a paralytic who had been bedridden for eight 
years. We don't know anything about how he was paralyzed. Maybe it was due to a fall and it severed his spinal cord. Perhaps it was due to an illness that affected his spinal cord, but for eight years, he has not walked. It's very interesting that Luke, uniquely among the gospel writers, when he talks about people's illness and their healing, he often gives the length of time that they were sick. In Luke chapter 8, we read this, verse 43, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. It's interesting, Mark, when he recounts it, he said, she suffered much at the hands of doctors, but Luke being a doctor, he's not going to include that, right? <laughs> this is how we know the Bible's real. I mean, it's real people who have the real people thing going on. 12 years she suffered. Luke chapter 13, and a woman who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all indicating that some sickness, again, is, is the result of just sheer physical issues. Sometimes the physical issues are instigated by an evil spirit. That doesn't mean a person's demonized or demon-possessed. It means they're under attack. So sometimes the answer in praying for healing is to be sensitive enough to sense what the Lord is doing in that moment and what the root cause of the problem is. Because they're never going to be healed until you deal with the source. Reminds me of, of the couple, and I've told this story before, that I never met them on Wednesday night. We're standing down there, and, and the husband and wife come up, and she says, Pastor Ken, we're fairly new here, but can you pray for my husband? I said, yeah, what's the problem? He's got narcolepsy. It's horrible. It's affecting his job. It's affecting so many things. And so I said, sure, we'll pray. And I no sooner bowed my head, and I felt like the Lord speaks to my heart. It's caused by an evil spirit. I don't know these people. It's a prayer meeting. It's kind of dark. And, you, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, wow, I, I don't know how that's going to strike them. But would you rather be healed, or would you rather I be polite? I mean, really, that's kind of what I was thinking. So I just rebuked the spirit in the name of Jesus that was causing it. Instantly, he was healed. They came back Sunday and said, he is totally healed. Came back two weeks later and said, I just want you to know, he's still healed. But again, sometimes healing comes by dealing with the root source, and that's, that's a spirit-induced issue. Well, we read on in Acts chapter 3 and verse 2, now a man crippled from birth, and he's the one that Peter and John healed. In Acts 4.22, Luke says he'd been that way over 40 years. And what I want you to notice here is Luke emphasizes or mentions the number of years to emphasize the reality of the sickness, but more than that, the reality of the healing. For eight years, Aeneas had been paralyzed. And today, there are some of you, and you've been sick a long time. You've been dealing with that issue for a long time. And while the time has proved your illness, your healing will prove his power in Jesus' name. He's able to heal. So don't get discouraged by what you've been through to this point. It's simply going to give your testimony a credibility. It's going to give it a validity because 
the length of the sickness is going to simply highlight the power of the healer, right? Number two, power. So we looked at the person. It's Aeneas. The power, it's Jesus. Look at it, verse 34. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and take care of your mat. Immediately, Aeneas got up. Where's the power from? Jesus Christ heals you. We, we can't save people. We can't heal people. But when we are praying in the name of Jesus, or when we are acting in the name of Jesus, his power can flow through us into that situation to accomplish his will. Listen, Jesus said this. Remember in John chapter 14 and verse 12, he says, you know, greater things than I have done will you do. And then he says in verse 13 of John 14, I'll do whatever you ask in my name. Who's the one doing it? He's the one doing it. So that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. He's the one who answers prayer. He is the one who heals. He is the one who brings the power behind every single miracle. Now, this is so important because what happens to a lot of people is they feel they don't have the power. Well, of course you don't. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, the power's his. It's not your power. None of us, none of us own the power personally. And sometimes we look at the size of the need and we're intimidated by it because we don't feel we have the power. Well, you don't have to have the power because he has the power. You just have to understand where the power is coming from and understand the God who's willing to exercise it on behalf of the people who need it, right? You know, I, I, I love to think of it this way. I love to think of it as we're passing on to people what Jesus has already paid for. For example, just think if, if you were in a huge financial situation, your business was going down, you're going to lose your house, you may be going to lose your car, and you need to come up with $100,000 worth of cash, and, or maybe $80,000, and somebody in the church comes to me and says, hey, pastor, I know so-and-so is having a very difficult time, and, and we've been blessed, and, and we'd like to help them, and, and they don't really know us, so would you mind giving them this check? And I look at the check, and it's a check for $100,000 made out to them. I mean, I'd be really happy. I'd be very excited for them. I couldn't, I, I wouldn't be able to wait to call them and say, hey, I'd like you to come by the office. I've got something that I think will bless you. I wouldn't wait a week. I wouldn't wait two weeks. I wouldn't wait a month. I would, I would have them come in and then I would give them the check and I would say, you know, I wanted to give this to you in person. The people heard about your situation they have the means to write this check. They wanted you to have this. And I would be so excited for them. And they'd be doing the happy dance and all those things in the office. They'd be so excited. But in the bottom line, it wasn't me. It wasn't my money. I didn't pay for it. I simply delivered the check that the people had already written. A check that was good. A check that was more than enough. 
a check that met their need. Can, can you understand that that's how healing works? That when you're praying for somebody, it's not your power, it's his power. It's his power flowing through you. It's his power resting on you. It's his power working in you, but it's his power. And when you're, when you're laying hands, you're just simply a conduit, and, and he's already written the check. He's already paid the price. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness, righteousness by his wounds. You have been healed. Let's read that again. By his wounds... Not you will be. Not you were, it's you have been. You have been. It happens. At some point, you know, you just got to believe it's true. You know, I've, I've talked to people who needed to come to the Lord and they're like, it's just hard for me to believe. Well, at some point, you got to stop thinking about it and say, I'm in. I can't reason it all out. I accept it by faith. And sometimes faith, as we've talked about many times, is able to take us where our mind can't. Hey, it's true. It's true. His word says it. It's true. Now, I want to take it a step further because I want you to notice that most of the healings in the New Testament did not come because someone prayed for the sick. I think, I think that, by and large, churches that believe in healing have become, over time, very one-dimensional in their approach to healing. And it's based on James 5, which is certainly Scripture and certainly true. If anyone is sick among you, you should call for the elders of the church. They should anoint him with oil, and the prayer offered in faith will heal the sick person. The Lord will raise him up. But in the middle of all of that is this issue of forgiveness of sins. In other words, the idea is that as you're coming, if there are things that are not right in your life, you, you acknowledge, you confess to the people that you've sinned against and make it right with them. And it's as you do that, or you renounce it, you come up and say, listen, I've been walking with God like I should, and I renounce that, I confess that, but I am going to begin walking with God. And it's not like you're making a promise to get the healing. It's just like you're convicted because his power is here, and you want to be right with the God of the universe, and you're convicted of your absence or your maybe your less than what it ought to be love for him. So there is a place, certainly, for recognizing our faults, confessing those to the people we've wronged, or acknowledging, in, in some sense, where we have lived beneath what we know we ought to do, and in, in just in the fact of saying, I'm confessing it to you because I've confessed it to the Lord. I'm just simply doing physically what I know has happened spiritually because what I do physically affects me spiritually, and what I do spiritually affects me physically. Are you with me? There's a place for that. But that's, James 5 is not a one-size-fits-all. We see the apostles in Mark 6, they go out, they anoint people with oil, and they heal the sick. But when you read through the Bible, and I'm simply suggesting that if we're following, Jesus left an example, 1 Peter 2, that we should follow in his steps, and if we watch what he did, and we watch what the apostles did, we find very little laying hands on and praying for the sick. 
Now, I'm not saying this isn't good and it isn't right, but I am suggesting that even in that moment, there might be places for declaring the healing instead of requesting the healing. And again, this, this requires, I think, a reshaping of some people's thinking, and it requires certainly a measure of faith because you... you you have to believe this is what the Bible teaches in order to embrace it in, in the faith that is intended to bring about the answer to the problem or the need. Jesus, interestingly enough, didn't tell us to pray for the sick. He told us to heal the sick by using his name. As you read the Gospels, you'll notice in Jesus' ministry to the leper, he said, be clean. To Peter's mother-in-law, he rebuked. The fever actually rebuked the spirit behind the fever. To the person who was deaf and mute, he commanded the evil spirit to come out of them. To another deaf person, he simply put his hands in his ears and sighed and said, be opened. To a man with a shriveled hand, he said, stretch out your hand. He asked him to do what he could not do. To the paralytic, he said, your sins are forgiven. Get up and walk. To the blind man, he said, go wash your eyes in the pool of Siloam after he'd put mud on his eyes. So all kinds of ways that Jesus healed. You say, well, that's Jesus, and that's true. But when you watch the apostles in their life following Jesus' ascension into heaven, it's very interesting. In Acts chapter 3, Peter says, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. In Acts 9, he says to Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up. In Acts 9, later, with a woman by the name of Dorcas, a widow is, who has died, he prays, he gets up from praying, he turns, he looks at her, and he says, Tabitha, get up. She comes back to life. Acts 14, Paul preaching, sees a lame man, knowing in that moment, Luke says, that he has the faith to be healed. Paul looks at him and says, stand up on your feet. Those are examples of how it is designed to work. Dennis Bennett, who along with his wife, Rita, were greatly used in the charismatic renewal, is an Episcopalian uh, priest who actually did extensive ministry here in the Springfield area. There are people in this church today that go back, trace their spiritual roots back to his ministry at St. James Episcopal Church. It's really uh, very powerful. If I, if I said some of the names, some of you who know people in Springfield would know them well. Back Cornerstone Church, Jess Gibson, was a product of the Bennett's ministry, and, and he was a businessman, got saved, and became a pastor. Dennis writes this, we do not need to make long prayers for the sick. When we have faith to say it, a word of command can be effective. Be healed in Jesus' name. Jesus healed with a touch or a word, most often with a command, be thou clean. He said to the leper, to the paralytic, he said, get up, pick up your mat, and go to your house. To the deaf man's ears, he commanded, be opened. To the man with the withered hand, he said, stretch forth your hand, and it was instantly healed. The power is in the name of Jesus. And there is power to heal in Jesus' name. Acts chapter 9, verse 34. Aeneas, Peter, said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up. And he did. That leads us to the third thing I want you to notice. 
This would be the purpose. What's the purpose of this? Verse 35. All those who lived in Lydda and Sharon, so Sharon's the region, Lydda's the town, saw him and turned to the Lord. That's amazing. All those who saw him turned to the Lord. What's happening there? Well, he's walking around. He's going all over the place, and he looks normal, and here's what he does. He goes up to him, and he says, hey, do you want to hear a story? I was paralyzed from the waist down. I could not move, and in the name of Jesus, Peter commanded me to get up, and there was power to heal my back, and here I am today, and he began to tell him about that. Then he went on to tell him the gospel, and he said, that power's in the name of Jesus, who is the Son of God that God sent to the world because he loved us so much, and if you'll put your faith in him, that same power that healed my back can touch your life in a way you never imagined as miraculously as it touched me, it can touch you. That's how it's designed to work. If God heals you, the purpose is so you'll run around and tell people, guess what? I've been healed, and the Jesus who healed me can save you. The power that touched my body can touch your life. The power that changed my physical condition can change your spiritual condition. I love this. Verse 35, all those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him. He went everywhere telling everyone about Jesus. Listen, we're praying for a great awakening. We're praying for revival. I believe it's coming. But can I just tell you this? It's not enough to be healed. See, people healed Healings alone will never bring revival until the people who are healed talk about Jesus. And you know what? You don't have to be healed to talk about Jesus. You can tell about all the people who were healed. So don't, don't think, well, you know, I wasn't healed, so I guess I don't have to talk. No, what you do is you take everybody else's story and you say, hey, you want to hear a story? I mean, I've got a list of them. God did this, and he did this, and he did this, and he did this. Because what happens is healings are a demonstration of his power, and they let people know that there is a God who is real, that he is alive, that he is active, that he answers prayer. And so when you tell people about healings, don't forget to tell them about Jesus because he's the one who does the healings. And if you've been healed, tell your story everywhere to everyone. Verse 34 Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Isn't that exciting? He heals. And man, we've seen a whole lot of it. In fact, the Pentecostal Evangel, which you may not be familiar with, it's the official magazine of the Assemblies of God, but they had called, and now it's online, and they did a story, and essentially the story, we'll bring it up here real quick, newsag.org, and uh, there's a, a picture of that. That's a quote from me. They were asking what I thought. I said, well, I've never seen anything like it. You've heard me say that. So then it interviews all the people. He's like, I want to interview people who say they were healed. I want to find out what's happened. Are they still healed? How are they? We are like, hey, sure, here's, here's a list of people. And uh, so they did a great job. You could share that with people. It would encourage them. But Jesus Christ heals. 
And the same Jesus, the reason why I took time to preach before we pray is because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What happens is as I'm preaching the word of God, God is speaking to you. There's some of you right now, you know, today's your day. You just know it. You just know, how would you know that? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You came in here and you're like, I don't know what you thought when you came in. Maybe you knew it before you came in, but maybe as you've sat here, you felt God speaking to your heart. You felt God stirring your heart. And that's what this is designed to do, to hear, to hear the word of God and then to put it into action. I love that. That's what the Bible's designed to do. We read it and then we do it. We're not just hearers of the word, we're doers of the word, James chapter one. And then I want to tell you some testimonies. I usually tell them at the beginning, but rather than me tell them, I think there's something powerful about letting people tell them. So here's a few testimonies. Watch these, then we're going to pray. On a Wednesday night, God completely healed my ear. So 18 years ago, I was on a missions trip where inadvertently I damaged my ear and I needed to go to the doctor and get it checked out. As I was at the doctor's office, he looked in my ear and he saw that there was a hole in my ear. I perforated my eardrum. He said that, you know, it will heal. You'll have scar tissue on your eardrum, but your hearing will never be the same again. This went on for 18 years. I've lived with kind of a muffled uh, sound, muffled hearing out of this left ear. Anytime anyone would say anything to me, I'd either have to have them repeat themselves and try to be looking at them, or I would need to turn to where I could hear them with my good ear. On a Wednesday night, we were watching prayer meeting online and my wife was in the room with me and she said, you know what, we're gonna take a minute and we're gonna pray for your ear. As soon as she said amen, I heard a loud pop in my ear. It was like a crackling noise and I could hear 100% out of that ear. Ever since then, my hearing has been crystal clear. Both my right ear and my left ear sound the exact same. I, nothing is muffled. I don't, people don't have to repeat themselves to me anymore. God has completely healed my ear. At the Wednesday night prayer meeting, God completely healed me of vertigo. 22 years ago, I was diagnosed with vertigo. Headaches, nausea, uh, dizziness. And I was having them about once a week. It got so bad that colleagues had to drive me home from work. I would have to pull over on the side of the road. It became a safety issue. The doctor said he could give me some medication that would lessen the symptoms, but yet never cure me. So one Wednesday night, pastor asked people to stand who needed the healing. And I knew that I needed to do that. And as I began to pray, I just felt the Holy Spirit. I felt my body begin to just a tingling go through my whole body. And I knew that God was healing me at that moment. And sure enough, praise God, I have not had a vertigo episode since then. I've had no headaches, no nausea, no dizziness. I have been completely healed of vertigo. God has completely healed my ankle. 17 years ago, I was driving my car and my brakes failed. And I went 50 miles an hour into a telephone pole. That resulted in 20 pins and a steel plate and a bone graft in my right ankle. It was week of surgery. It was a year of almost not being able to walk. It was pain every morning from that, from that day on. It's a different kind of feeling when you, when you don't trust your own feet to move in the morning when you get out of bed. And to have to deal with that every single day for 17 years, one Sunday morning, I decided, you know, if God is healing all these people, why wouldn't he heal me? And it wasn't the first Sunday, and it wasn't the second Sunday, 
And it was just like Pastor John said, you just keep going. Well, I went forward a third time, and then it wasn't a day or two later, I woke up in the morning and there was no pain. And it's not just there was no pain. I can move it around, I can do things now that I used to couldn't do. That's a game changer for me. God has completely healed my ankle. On a Sunday, God completely healed me of anemia. I was diagnosed with chronic anemia in 2013. The symptoms kept getting progressively worse. Just, I felt awful most days. Uh, I just felt the cloudy headed and foggy headed and um, just fatigued all the time. I went to the doctor and they put me on these iron pills so I would take the maximum amount. I went to the specialist and he said that I was still um, uh, chronically anemic. Then on a Sunday morning, Pastor John gave a word that the Lord wanted to heal people with blood disorders. And I knew that it was for me. So I stepped out into the aisle and um, just a swarm of people began to pray over me. I wasn't healed that day, but faith rose up in my heart to believe that my healing was coming. So every single Sunday and every single Wednesday, I went up for prayer. My symptoms began to fall away one by one by one. So now I don't take any iron pills. The foggy headedness is gone. The cloudy headedness is gone. There's no more fatigue and I feel amazing. God has completely healed me of anemia. God completely healed my daughter, Audrey, of cystic fibrosis. The first thing you'll read when you pull off the diagnosis of cystic fibrosis is there is no cure. As a medical professional myself, I knew the implications of, of what this diagnosis was. We had to have a vest, a respiratory machine. Now it's breathing treatments three times a day. The news or prognosis was she'll be lucky to make it to age 40. Audrey said they don't know what God can do. On a Sunday morning, I was at church and I was with my Mimi and my aunt. The pastor asked who needed to be prayed for. And I remember they both grabbed my hand and we walked up there. I asked for people to pray for me. My daughter kept telling me, Mom, God has healed me from this. We saw experts all over the world. We were at Mayo Clinic, Johns Hopkins, uh, St. Louis University. She's she's better than okay. Her, her pulmonary function test actually came back that above of a normal child. She no longer has cystic fibrosis and we give God all the glory and credit for that. I feel healthy. I'm back to playing as many <laughs> sports as I want to. God has completely healed me of cystic fibrosis. On a Sunday, the Lord completely healed me of a severe meat allergy. 15 years ago, I was diagnosed with this meat allergy, which doctors found was actually related to a tick bite. It was called alpha-gal. Anytime that I would ever eat anything meat, so anything beef and pork, hamburgers, hot dogs, you name it, I'd break out with these horrible hives and I would get violently ill to my stomach and then eventually I would go into anaphylactic shock. A lot of friends from the church said, you know, you really should go forward and you should be healed of this meat allergy. And I remember looking at them thinking, that would be awesome. So I did, I got up out of my seat, I went forward, and I remember actually asking the person that was praying for me, they asked me, what do you need healing from? And I said, well, I have this meat allergy. And she said, alpha gal? She said, I know what that is. The Lord's gonna deliver you from that today. When they prayed for me in that moment, I really didn't feel anything. I didn't really feel any like tingling sensation or any warm feeling, but when I went back to my seat, I knew that the Lord had touched me and the Lord had healed me. 
that very day, we actually ended up going out to lunch and I was a little bit nervous too, but I ended up ordering a beef and pork dish, took a big bite and a few hours later, I realized I didn't have the meat allergy anymore. I didn't have any swelling, I didn't have any hives, no stomach ache, no anaphylactic shock. And ever since that day, I haven't had a single allergic reaction since. I've been making up for lost time, trying hamburgers, trying hot dogs. God has completely healed me of a severe meat allergy. On a Sunday, God completely restored and healed my shoulder. For about six years, I've been having shoulder pain. It was very excruciating to, you know, do anything, you know, with my arm, lifting my arm or, you know, rolling my shoulder. We were watching the 7 p.m. service and my daughter and I were laying in bed as I was icing my shoulder and we heard the prophetic word that was spoken over left shoulder pain. So we prayed over it and I felt this warm sensation like there was a heating pad on my shoulder and instant comfort. The next morning when I woke up, I had zero pain. There was absolutely nothing. I could roll my shoulder blade and there was no pain. Ever since then, I have a very active job and I can completely, I can do all of these motions, the range of motion, I can lift my arms with no pain. God has completely restored and healed my shoulder. My name is Caleb and at the Wednesday night prayer meeting, God completely healed my hip. Five years ago, I hurt my hip when I was playing football. It started off as just kind of a slight pain here and there, but over the last five years, it's gotten progressively worse and worse where I've lost range of motion in my hip. I've had intense pain while walking. It was hard to sleep. It's hard for me to put on my socks. I couldn't run anymore. I went to the doctor's office and they took an x-ray of my hip and my hip had deterioration on it, like it had advanced arthritis. One Wednesday night, I was so desperate that God would heal me. I was in so much pain. I stepped out into the aisle and just asked God to heal me and people were gathered around me and prayed for me and my hip got really hot. And when I walked back to my seat, I realized I had no more pain anymore. And so I was super excited. I went out to the hallway and I was doing high knees and hip flexors, all kinds of stuff, because I had my range of motion back. After service, I ran to my car. It was the first time I've been able to run in over a year. So after the healing, I went back to the doctor's office for another x-ray just to confirm what God has done. And he took x-rays of my hips and both of my hips are completely smooth. There is no more deterioration on them. My left hip has been completely restored. God has completely healed my hip. Let's stand, let's bless the Lord. Lord, you're the God who heals. Lord, we praise your name. There is no one like you. No one like you, Lord. Praise your name. Praise your name. Oh, God, we praise you. You're a healing God. Amen. Amen. He heals. The Bible says he sent his word and he healed them. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul. Psalm 103, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Who forgives your sins and heals your diseases. He said to Moses and the children of Israel, I'm Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. And Jesus came healing and he commanded us to heal. And if you haven't seen it before, it's just because 
Somewhere along the line, the church had trouble believing it could happen. But we're in a move of God where we've watched it time and time and time again. He's healing right now. The healer's here today. I know he is.